Okay, so Naran, I know that you know about celebrities. I know some. I know some about celebrities. Right. I think you're making a gigantic understatement because I know nothing about celebrities. And I find this kind of embarrassing. I find it deeply embarrassing that I know more about celebrities than I do about my own family, for sure. I love it. I don't know why. It's addictive. It's like part envy. Like, oh my God, I want all those things. Give me the things. All of the things. Just give them to me. And then the other part of it's like, oh, you have all the things, but you're still not happy. I I can be happy. And also just like, you know, it's you know, it's like for women, it's cultural currency. It's like something you can talk about. Although now that I say that, I can't imagine like meeting someone and only talking about celebrities. I know, but I lack this cultural currency. I don't even know who half of these people are. I feel proud of myself that I know that Jennifer Lawrence is referred to as (laughs) J-Law by the kids. You know, it's it's really sad. I'm not that old. No, but I mean, I, I think it's super interesting and it does feed part of our desire to like measure ourselves against other people but to do it in a safe way yeah right because it's not like you're actively really judging a good friend of yours yep or really judging yourself against a sibling yep right that's like stuff you can sublimate and pretend doesn't happen um whereas you can just like go all in on you know Beyonce or whatever it is. I'm just trying to think about why, like, who I talk about celebrities with and why. I mostly consume now that I think about it. Like, I think I probably talk about it less than I think I do. Hmm. So it's, um, like, part of your your internal mental life. Yeah. But that's really interesting, right? I mean, like, so I know that um, one of the reasons that, like, reality TV shows work um, is because that they're structured in such ways to raise, like, kind of small-scale moral dilemmas yes. that people then kind of debate amongst themselves around the water cooler with their family. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of a place for staging moral questions that help you feel closer to your own community and to, like, identify for yourself, like, what are, what is your moral position on something? Right. And so, situate yourself among, like, the like like moral framing that's been Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. oh, my God, I can't believe she cheated on her husband, I would never cheat on my husband, but then it's like, oh, well, he was treating her so badly, and this other guy was so great, or whatever it is, yeah. right? It kind of sets up a real-world scenario that you can kind of comment on, maybe yeah. more urgently because they're real people, even yeah. if it's, you know, totally constructed by the reality TV show. I don't yeah. know. What do you think? You um, would know better than me. <laughs> I don't know. Well, one thing I do know is gossip has been around through all of time and all of history. True. There is no difference here. In fact, gossip is personified in the Aeneid, and she's, like, running around creating trouble. <laughs> in the Aeneas. Ready for those flashing lights. Cause you know that baby I I'm your biggest fan. I'll follow you until you love me. Papa, Papa, Roxy. What about the Jennifer Aniston, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie triangle? I feel that's so worn out and I haven't even read about it. Yeah. Uh, so it's worn out. I mean, there's lots of. Uh, but people are still talking about it. Yeah. They still are because, I don't know, for the first time in six years, Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie were at some award show recently, and people were still commenting on it. That's so interesting. Because, like, right, it's, it seems like they're, like, a classic example of, like, we've stamped on to Angelina <laughs> Jolie that she is this vamp, you know, kind of oversexed, example of what womanhood can be if it's like not under control right and jennifer Aniston's a nice girl next door childless yeah and, <laughs> but then you know it ends up being this like kind of madonna horror dichotomy yeah. potentially but but you know people maybe are still fascinated by that yeah and everyone has x drama 
Like, maybe that's, like, a relatable, enduring theme. Perhaps. Like, being in the same room or all that sort of stuff. And maybe we just can't imagine people not <laughs> wanting to get in a fight over Brad Pitt. <laughs> Real talk. Like, I guess the other thing I'm thinking about is, like, um, how there were fewer possibilities for, for like, real-world celebrities to um, act out in public. So, like, the the love mess that was Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, like, that that played out very publicly. But that's around the same time as, like, soap operas being, like, a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And, like, that – all of that, I think, is the same, like, human tendency to be interested uh, in something – not bigger than yourself, but outside of yourself. Absolutely. And it is bigger because other people can also weigh in on it with you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Actually, this reminds me of um, a writer who comes from an academic background that people should totally check out, um, Anne Helen Peterson. She now writes for BuzzFeed. Um, and she has written a book on the scandals of classic Hollywood and um, writes about, among other things, Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, she did a great big long piece on Jennifer Lawrence and like the idea of the cool girl, like the girl yeah. who can get along with guys but still cute and um, how important she is culturally. I mean, so anyway, there are people who have been writing and thinking about how celebrity culture is, you know, super important part of our culture, even though some of us, like me, don't know anything about it. And are better off for it. Am I? I yeah. don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe this, maybe this week I'm going to try to... To catch up a little bit on some oh, celebrity gossip. It's, I just, I, I think you focus on the big ones. I think the path forward is to not, not get sucked into like, like minor players. Stick with Beyonce and Rihanna <laughs> and like Jennifer Lawrence. I feel like she's here to stay. Just okay. stick with the big players and, and, okay. and J-Lo, right? Like you can't go wrong. These are like enduring classics mm-hmm. that are going to suit you. Anything you invest in them will give you returns for years to come. Okay, so Naran. Hi. Hey, Maria. What's up? (laughs) Okay, so, you know, we talked about the wedding industrial complex in a general sense, um, and you mentioned that you had a wedding of your own. So I was wondering if you would be willing to talk specifically about your wedding experience, given that it's still wedding season. Totally, and I've been dying to dish. So I got married a little over two years ago in New York, you know, I'm Pakistani-American, and my husband's family is originally from Bangladesh, and he's American too. So we were thinking about a lot of stuff, cultural stuff, family stuff, thinking about the complex and, mm-hmm. you know, like what weddings do to <laughs> relationships, <laughs> family and otherwise. And it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. I found it to be tremendously overwhelming and I definitely needed the support of family, friends, and my boo because he's, like, super good at, you know, putting things into context. And, you know, he's just a really good partner. So thank God for that. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, as someone who was there, it was a totally <laughs> amazing wedding. And you do have a little bit of potentially an unfair advantage because you have basically the most level-headed, cool dude, husband oh ever. My God. 
And also, your families are both so <laughs> insanely adorable and in love with both of you. So that definitely helps. Oh, my helps. gosh. Now I'm blushing. You can't even see it. Uh, <laughs> well, that's really sweet of you to say. So, okay. So here's the thing. I have this, like, aversion to super big South Asian weddings. I'm not aversion. I, I love my friends and family. I enjoy their weddings thoroughly. I do feel like in – especially when it comes to, like, being in Pakistan, for example, the, like, class disparity and the extravagance of the upper class weighs, like, really heavily on me. Mm. And, you know, like, the amount people spend on weddings is just so insane and mm-hmm. I mean, like the thing is, it's like such it's just even more important culturally and as like a phenomenon, it like drives style. It drives style beyond just wedding style. And huh. what do you mean? Well, like w- Pakistani wedding dresses maybe are very traditionally red, but they can be any color. But the outfits, shalwar kameez, gharara's, like whatever else people wear can be worn on other holidays or other special occasions. And hmm. so bridal couture is really the driver of other kinds of fashion too and it will never be as over the top but it's just so central to social and cultural life and fashion and other things and you know food for example wow talk about the wedding industrial oh my god it's so real and it's so professionalized and you know it kind of tracks with the professionalization in in the u.s for example but i think it was always there like it was much more Uh, kind of always there and so I just feel like a lot of folks who don't have a ton of money borrow money to throw their kids weddings and their dowries involved and there's just so much money and a lot of families go into really serious debt like long-standing debt at the prompting of a wedding and so I just feel like I didn't want to be complicit in that and again when you say stuff like that you know it doesn't mean I'm judging other people necessarily it just means like I just would feel so crappy to start off, in theory, start off a life with someone carrying the burden of having this, like, very over-the-top thing. Sure. And, you know, you're lucky in that you were in a position to be able to make that call. For some people, it's not really, totally, you know, culturally or for family reasons or whatever in their court. In that 100%. Way. And I think I'll add one more thing because I can just keep going on and on about South Asian weddings. But totally. there's something really beautiful about it being truly community oriented. So there's no like mm. per head. If you if I'm in if I'm in Lahore visiting family and they're going to a wedding, I go to the wedding with them. And right. everyone just kind of goes and it just kind of comes from the idea that like if you have a wedding, everyone's celebrating. It's very community based and it's not like everything was always so expensive. Like you could have 500 people and kind of just feed people en masse and it's like not a big deal. Mm. But when you transpose a Pakistani or Indian or, you know, Bangladeshi wedding or Sri Lankan or whatever in the U.S. and you have the per head thing and you have the whole like complex here, Mm. but then you have the size that you would have there and the kind of epicness, it creates just like the cost is just so out of control. It's insane. My God, it's like, <laughs> you know, beautiful tiny hors d'oeuvres and four course oh and tasting menu for 500 people. Ah! It gets out of control. It totally does. And I feel bad. I feel bad for, you know, the pressure of it. And thank God I, you know, my parents were cool with us being like, I'm sorry, you can't invite any of your friends, which <laughs> was very generous of them. <laughs> uh, and it was really mostly just family. You know, like mm-hmm. the majority, like more than 50% of the people there were family. And like family mm-hmm. is like – second cousin once removed who's totally like your like sister you know like that's just how it works 
so you know it, it maybe was seemingly big by other you know like by you know very traditional american standards but really it was mostly family and some friends so i don't know if that's the context like i think the cultural stuff really played heavily into it we got married at um housing works bookstore in soho which was so cute. Which is really cute. And, you know, all of the money there for both the catering and the event space supports Housing Works, which is an incredible New York City-based nonprofit. So I felt really good about that. And we didn't have to do very much decoration because yeah. it's a bookstore and there I know. are books on the wall. I think it really – I felt like it really reflected you, too, as a couple also because it, because it was quirky and cute and Super dorky. scholarly <laughs> and dorky. Yeah, but in, like, the best possible way. Oh. Classy dorky. Thank you, thank Classy you. Classy dorky, Naren. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then I guess the last thing I'll say is stuff about clothes, which is um, I wore um, – uh, my my in-laws gifted me a ton of stuff, which is, like, super sweet of them. I'm, like, totally obsessed with them. Um, and I ended up wearing a really beautiful gold sari, which I was super psyched about. And then all the clothes for all the other events, which there weren't that many other events. There was a religious ceremony and, like, a little, um, you know, brunch reception my in-laws threw a couple weeks later. I, I mm-hmm. took elements of my mom's wedding clothes, and I – took pieces and I wore them with some kind of updated other things oh that's so yeah awesome. I never thought I'd get into that but it was it was I wouldn't say it was fun it was not as bad as I thought <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a really unique and personalized take on you know something old something new yes something borrowed I don't I wore blue. remember if you were I wore wearing blue, blue. Were you? not um <laughs> not at uh, at that like reception that my in-laws threw so oh nice so I guess all of this is to say it was a deeply tortured process for me. Like I was totally struggling with like all sorts of different um, ideas and notions about who I am, who other people think I am, how much money we spend, you know, like what it says about us. Why does it matter what it say, like says? Why do we have to wed a wedding? I mean, I was really deep existential shit <laughs> yeah well and I mean I, maybe someday we should talk about this because I think it also casts light on some of the struggles and opportunities of having a hybrid identity which so many Americans have you know that you come from a South Asian background and you have all these pressures from your family and these expectations and these hopes but at the same time you are American and so you have all these other possible paths and it kind of gives us a unique way of a, a unique opportunity to think about different routes totally totally true and I mean the best I mean it's 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 totally wonderful to be in the position to pick the very best of everything I love about all parts of me and if yeah if you have that opportunity which is truly a gift it can be kind of fun and interesting and you know really demonstrate it really offer you an opportunity to reflect reflect on like who you are blah 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 even if it gives you an existential holy meltdown. moly i'm so glad that is over it is like two years in the past i don't think about it very much i have i've never printed one wedding photo because i can't i can't get it together oh. it's like what well, one day i will and it will be amazing but i'm not it's like me there. finishing my page <laughs> stop <laughs> so there you go that's my wedding
All right, Maria, I want to know, like, how do you consume media and entertainment during the regular course of your week? And then I want to tell you what I do. Okay, so quickly, I'm going to start with news because there's so much. Um, (laughs) So um, in the morning, I first thing when I get up, while I'm getting dressed and everything, I listen to um, an app called Hourly News. What's that? Where it's great. It's an app. I don't even know. It's called Hourly News. And um, you can select your sources, and it'll scroll through the different sources you've chosen and play their hourly news update. So I have NPR, BBC, CBC, Marketplace, and uh, Marketplace Tech. And I listen to those every morning while I'm getting my day started. And then um, I'll probably check my email, look through um, the skim, um, which our friend turned us on to, um, and look at the headlines. Um, And then after that, for the rest of the day, most of the news that I consume comes through social media. Mm -hmm. So my friends on Twitter and Facebook and what they're interested in. Yeah. So that's how I get my news. So I get my news, um, I'd say, just like I always have the Times front page in New York Magazine pulled up. And I pretty much like a couple times an hour probably. I hate to admit that. I wish it was like less frequent actually because I'm just kind of killing time. But I probably look at those, you know, during the course of the day. And I'm actually glad you turned me on to that, the the app I use because in the morning, I used to listen to like public radio in the morning when I was getting dressed. And like I don't actually have a radio anymore. So I should, yeah, like I need to think of a better way to kind of get the news in the morning. Well, I yeah. have started also using the NPR app um, where sure. I will kind of just add all of Morning Edition yeah. to my um, lineup and listen to that while I'm doing something if I've gone through my hourly news app, which I usually have. That's great. <laughs> you know, I really miss driving, actually, because I just feel like that's the best way. Like, when mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, it's, I haven't done that since I was 18 mm-hmm. consistently or since college, but, like, that was a great way to get news in the morning, mm-hmm. like, on the way to school or whatever. so interesting that you know both of us still use kind of trusted traditional news sources yeah um, but then we just access them in different ways than you would have 10 years ago exactly so I still listen to the radio but I listen to it on my phone and you still check the front page of the newspaper but you do it on your computer I will say like I get a ton like I I should use Twitter more but I, I mostly just look at like what people post on Facebook and like I get a ton of Less, like, up-to-the-minute news and more commentary and, like, what people are talking about from that. Mm-hmm. And, then, yeah, that pretty much does a trick for me, I think. But that, I think that's great. It's, like, a whole new news category, right? It's, like, the opinion pages, only it's not just the opinions of, like, a very small subset of op-ed writers. Yeah, yeah. Right? It ends up being this much broader internet landscape, which we can kind of tailor. And it is kind of an echo chamber in some ways, but... Mine par- totally is. Yeah, and part <laughs> of it is... Part of that I don't like, but part of it's also good. Like, I would like to know what the feminist bloggers think about these most recent yeah. Oscar picks or whatever it is. Yeah. So. I sell the morning paper, sir. My name is Jimmy Brown. Everybody knows that I'm a newsboy of the town. You can hear me yelling, morning star, on the street. Got no hat up on my head. Um, so today is a good day to talk about vacations and travel um, because it's August and we are traveling and taking some summer vacations. 
Um, and at this very moment, I am in England, um, kind of at the end of my vacation and shifting into the work phase of my travels, but, uh, you know, still having the fun of catching up with friends and doing things that are a little bit different from the norm. That just triggered reminding me that, like, I never understood vacation as a student, and I was a student for way too long, as were you. Uh, I think I still kind of am. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, having the whole summer off and just weeks at a time until I started working, everyone says this, you do not appreciate having all of that epic time off. And now I just feel like I want to do so much with the little time I have, you know, Mm -hmm. being Americans with those, like, two weeks a year. Which nobody else in the world can believe. It's just, it's preposterous. I feel like no one in my extended family <laughs> believes me when I tell them that. Like, my cousins are always like, let's take a vacation. I'm like, I literally only have two weeks. And one of those weeks, I like need to organize my house. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, what does your vacation look like this summer? So I went to a friend's wedding in Sweden um, and then spent a couple extra days in Copenhagen because I'd never been there before. I've never and been either. Hey, nearby. Oh, so Did you go shopping? City. I went a little shopping. They have like amazing, you know, Scandinavian design, everything. Yeah, Yeah, so good. Um, But also I went to Tivoli Gardens, which is like the original theme park. It inspired Walt Disney to open Disney World and Disneyland. (laughs) Yeah. It was like opened in the 19th century and it's like Orientalism dream world. It's kind of beautiful and amazing and crazy. Is it like roller coasters or like charming teacup rides? Yes. Yeah, all. All of the above. <laughs> and like so much, so many flowers and gardens and restaurants. And it's really, it's really, really cool. Loved it. I loved it. It was really fun. Oh my God. I have to pipe and in it feels here like, and say that I yeah. went to Disneyland this summer too. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, it was so fun for a day. And I mean, I obviously went with adults and we like went on Turbo and like there are all these apps that tell you like how long like different line weights are and we showed up at like opening time and like we were done by two o'clock we'd seen everything and done everything and eaten everything oh my gosh (laughs) wow it was preposterous (laughs) you're amazing i went yeah we went to tivoli gardens and you can either get a pass that has all the rides Mm -hmm. on it or you can just get entry and then do the rides one at a time oh um and since my partner is not super into the roller coasters in spite of my Desperate attempts to get him onto sun. Um, <laughs> we basically end up going to like a super fancy like gastro food place <laughs> and had some kind of schmancy oyster situation and then and drank some nice wine and wander around amongst the flowers and yeah, looked at things. That does not sound like Disneyland at all. <laughs> no. I have a question. I, How much does it cost to get in? Because Disneyland was $99 per person. Yeah, this was about... 10 or $15. <laughs> I know. If you'd like, I can hold you. <laughs> but, like, what about rides? Those were, like, two, three bucks each. Okay. I'm just, like, deeply envious of this. Because it also sounds like it was much more beautiful. Well, I think it's, like, the greenery, mm-hmm. you know? Amusement parks so rarely have good greenery. I grew up very close to Bush Gardens Williamsburg, nice. which always wins these awards for being beautiful because I think they actually grow plants there. <laughs> So, <laughs> oh, amazing. Uh, anyway, sorry about the the detour for for Tivoli Gardens, but it was great. You should go. Everyone should go. I want to go. Okay. Yeah. Also, it was kind of fun to be like, huh? This is what the 19th century thought that Japan was like, or China, or India. It was pretty crazy. Do you think they changed stuff to be more politically correct? No. No. <laughs> 
probably some of it. Yeah. <laughs> but it was nothing was like outright offensive, but there were some things I was like, huh. It's the, I mean the fact that the entire idea of a magical other place that you could go to was basically the East. Yeah. Um, is in and of itself kind of like an Orientalism that would make people raise their eyebrows today. Sure. Well, okay, just in the vein of amusement parks, um, one of my favorite amusement parks is in Connecticut. It's called Lake Compounds. Mm-hmm. Okay, first of all, when I used to drink Diet Coke, they used to have free and limited soda, or they still do. Oh my and God. that used to be a huge, like, amazing thing for me. Um, <laughs> unlimited soda. But... Uh, they have a haunted graveyard tour uh, around Halloween every year, and it's, like, one of my mm-hmm. favorite things in the world. But it is deeply offensive. Like, they're... <laughs> what do you mean? Well, like, it's, like, a 45-minute, like, interactive life-size diorama. So you're, like, walking through different types of themes. So there's, like, the insane ward, which is, like, totally, like, it feels weird because it of how, like, it thinks um, the conceptions of mental illness. And then there's sure. the Mayan part where, like, people, like, I, I don't know what it is. It's, like, something kind of South American, you know, Mayan-inspired, mm-hmm. but, like, they're um, cannibals, right? Like, so, like, that's Ooh. the part that's, like, scary about, quote-unquote, them. Um, and then there's, like, all, so all the different little themes, like, if you actually think about it, all the parts of it are so offensive, how come fun has to be so offensive? I don't know, but I'll be honest with you. It is so awesome. And all the money goes to charity, so I it's like a blank check for me. I'll, I'll sign me huh. up. So interesting. I mean, we should someday <laughs> talk about this because I find this like with comedians, for example. It's so hard to find comedians that are funny and also not like make me want to cry with sadness. I know. So, yeah, but sometimes you do, and then they're the best ever. True. Totally fair. So tell me about your travels this summer. Um, I've been a nonstop travel machine because I'm between day jobs. So I'm just trying to seize the moment because the last couple of years I've been reminded of the fact that I don't have like traditional kitty summer vacation. And, you know, I'm going to have a job again come the fall. And so, you know, I need to I need to take advantage of this. So um, I did little weekends here and there. But like the biggest epic trip I did was like kind of all over California. Um, mm. And it was a road trip. I drove. Over the course of, like, the month of July and August, I've probably driven well over 2,000 miles. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I love our country. And so we did, like, L.A., drove up the PCH, uh, you know, the Bay Area. Um, I actually went to Oakland for the first time, even though I've kind of lived in San Francisco before, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Went up to Napa for a while and then drove down the non-scenic route, um, which is, like, totally different back to LA and then spend a spent a couple of days um in Venice Palm Springs and um Silver Lake which I love look at you with your fabulous it was okay first of all I love trip planning and I think psychologists say that people (laughs) people actually enjoy looking forward to vacations more and receive more like psychological benefits from like the looking forward to vacations but it is a huge burdensome undertaking when there's so much information out there and you have like total FOMO and like, you know, just like (laughs) this like desire to trick out everything you do because you know it could be better because you've seen it can be better. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you find that to be the case or if it impacts you because you're so easy breezy and amazing. Oh, please girl. (laughs) So (laughs) this, this summer's um, epic adventure included taking my grandparents to England and France for their first ever trip. How, how old are they? <laughs> um, my grandfather is in his 60s for 
several decades now. Um, and, my, and my grandmother is not far behind. So yeah, they're, they're getting on in years and um, they're still extremely active, yeah. total awesome, badass people. But yeah, neither of them had been to either of those countries before. So I wanted to make it amazing and perfect. So um, I definitely had to be talked down from the ledge a couple of times because <laughs> I hadn't managed to secure the perfect reservation for X or, you know, plan Y. Oh my gosh, they must have loved it though. Like, I mean, that sort of stuff, like that kind of attention, I can imagine them bragging to their friends that they got taken out by their grandkids. Like, <laughs> it's really yeah, sweet. Yeah, they had a great time. They, they were wonderful to travel with and we had a lot of fun. My sister was there too and my partner, who luckily for all of us is a native French speaker. So And also separately the best. Yeah, he's <laughs> kind of great, kind of great. So we had a really good time. I'm so glad. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um. Did you feel pressure to do work while you were traveling or were you able to like just really immerse yourself in it? That's difficult. I mean, because, you know, I'm always thinking about the research that I should be doing. I so I did feel sometimes like that. Um, it helps slash doesn't help that my sister is also an academic. Yeah. Um, and so I could talk to her about my work, which was great, yeah. uh, but also made me feel like, ooh, I should look that up and maybe I should order that book from the library and this and that. So... You know, it's a little bit hard to detach completely, but at the same time, it was a slightly more leisurely way. My sister and I were on the rosé train for the majority of the time that we were in France, <laughs> so that improved things. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, so I used Boomerang for Gmail, which, like, puts emails back into your inbox. Like, you can say, like, oh, I want this to come back into my inbox in, like, a month or in three weeks or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I kept doing that to emails while I was traveling, including some in-theory emails, by the way. No worries. So I don't really think about it. And then, like, the day after my vacation, my inbox is just full of, like, <laughs> like not easy to respond to emails or, like, not easy to mm. follow up to emails. And I'm just, like, it just really hits me hard when I'm back. <laughs> We're definitely, you know, amongst other things, in a very privileged position to be able to travel like this and to be able to mix work and pleasure and, you know, just have the means to go places and do this kind of thing. So yeah. um, there's so much to talk about, about who gets to take vacations, what it means to take a vacation, what do we do while we're on vacation. Um, so hopefully we'll come back and talk about that at some point when we're not on vacation. Good stuff. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> 